Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week at this same time to Bible Crossfire. We have been emphasizing a verse the last several weeks, Proverbs 14, verse 12. That just because it seems right to a man, that doesn't make it right. The verse reads this way. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So just because it seems right to us doesn't necessarily make it right. What makes it right is the scriptures. For example, if it were up to me, I would allow women to preach from the pulpit. I mean, they're just as smart as men. They can teach just as well as men. But it's not up to me. First Corinthians 14 says, let your women keep silence in the churches. It says it's a shame for women to speak in the church. Verse 34 and 35. It's not up to me. God said they're to keep silence in the churches. They're not to speak. So that's the, what we have to do. It doesn't matter what I think. What may seem right to me is the end thereof is the way of death, spiritual death. You've got to quit thinking along the lines of what do I think is best or what do I like? What will bring in the most people? That's not the way we should be thinking is what does God's word say? We're going to follow that whether I like it or not. We're going to follow that even if it doesn't bring in big crowds. We're going to follow what God's word said, even if it's not politically correct, because God is our authority. He's our ultimate authority. And by extension, therefore, his word is our authority. That's his instructions for us. So if we don't follow his word, we're not following the authority. Last week on the program, we were talking about some topics that are related to the end times. And we brought up the subject of premillennialism which teaches that Jesus' second coming will occur before a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ from Jerusalem upon the earth. But, of course, we read 2 Peter 3 that contradicts that. Verses 3 and 4, which we read last week of chapter 3, shows the context. He's talking about the second coming of Christ. And verse 10 says this about the second coming of Christ. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night into which the heaven shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So there's not going to be a 1,000 year reign of Christ on this earth after the second coming because the Bible says it in no uncertain terms that when Jesus comes back, that's going to be the end of the world. The earth's going to be burned up. Well, doesn't the Bible talk about a reign of Christ? Of course it does, but it's not a physical reign. We showed last week from John 18, 36 and Luke 17, 20 through 21, it's a spiritual reign. It's not a physical, where you can see it, a physical territory, as Luke 17 says. Neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for the kingdom of God is within you. You can't find the borders of God's kingdom. It's not like Atlantic to Pacific, <laughs> Canada to Mexico, and here's the capital. That's a physical kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. No matter where you live, no matter what political system you live under, if you serve the king, Christ, you're part of the kingdom. That's it. You serve him with your heart and your actions. So the kingdom that people say is coming when Jesus comes back, we're already in that kingdom right now, and it's a spiritual kingdom. Last week, toward the end of the program, we began to prove that that kingdom exists right now. John the Baptist says, said in Matthew 3, verse 2, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. At hand means close by. It could either mean close by physically in proximity or it could mean close by in time. It's in, he's talking about in time. John the Baptist is saying, 
And he said this 2,000 years ago. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's close by time-wise. Jesus confirms this in Mark 9.1. And we read this last week. It's very clear. Here's what Jesus said in Mark 9.1. Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Here's what Jesus is saying here. You can understand that. A sixth grader could understand that. There's some people that Jesus was speaking to at that time. Let's say he had an audience of 100 people there. And he's saying, some of you won't die physically. Some of you will still be alive physically when the kingdom of God comes. Now, either the kingdom came in the first century time frame, or we have some people today that are over 2,000 years old. Which is it? Jesus makes it clear that he's coming The kingdom was coming in the lifetime of some of those that he spoke to. The kingdom came not at the second coming of Christ, future to us now, some kind of literal physical kingdom that the Bible never talks about. The kingdom came in the first century time frame. It's a spiritual kingdom, and it came and it's been in existence for 2,000 years. Here's how Acts 2, 31 and 33 puts it. It says that he should raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, being by the right hand of God exalted. So when was Christ to be raised up to sit on his throne, to be the king of the kingdom? It says he was raised up to sit on his throne at the resurrection. And then he was ascended up to the Father, exalted, sat at the right hand of the Father. That's when he became the king of the kingdom. The kingdom has been in existence ever since that time. We see this prophesied in Daniel 7, 13 and 14. That reads this way. I saw one like the Son of Man come with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him. And there was given him a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. So when would Jesus be given reign over the kingdom? Not when he left the Ancient of Days. Not when he left God the Father. At his second coming, he's going to be leaving God the Father. This it says when he came to the Ancient of Days. He came to the Father, the Ancient of Days, at his ascension in the first century. That's when the Bible says he would be given this kingdom. That just confirms to us what Acts 2 says. That confirms to us what we read in Matthew 3, 2 and Mark 9, that the kingdom came in that first century time frame. When he ascended up, he was resurrected to sit on his throne. He was raised up. Then he ascended up to the Father to sit on his right hand. He became the king of the kingdom. Then that's when the kingdom started to exist. If you have a Bible question or comment, I want you to call me at 877-655-6755. We'll put you right on the air because the lines are wide open. 677, excuse me, let me start that again. The number to call is 877-655-6755 if you have a Bible question or comment. Now, if the Bible was teaching that the kingdom was to come in the first century time frame, then when you read books written after Jesus' resurrection and ascension, You should expect those books to write as if the kingdom was not coming in the future, but as if it already existed. And that's exactly what we see. Jesus, as we said, as we saw from those verses, started reigning in his kingdom when he was raised from the dead and ascended up to the Father. Now we have two references to the kingdom after that, and they both are written from the perspective that the kingdom already existed, not something that's coming in the future. First one. Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. We would use the word transferred today instead of translated. So Paul is writing in Colossians, past tense, that these people 
those Christians had been delivered from the power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom. How could they have been transferred into the kingdom, past tense, if the kingdom didn't already exist? Proof positive, again, that the kingdom is in existence right now, not something that's coming in the future when Jesus comes back. That's pre-millennialism. That is taught by people who are trying to make a buck, not by the Bible. Revelation 1-9 is the same way. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in the kingdom of Jesus. How could John be the companion of these Christians in the kingdom if the kingdom wasn't going to exist for at least 2,000 more years? Doesn't make any sense, does it? When you accept what the Bible says, you learn that the kingdom began, Jesus began his reign over this kingdom when he was resurrected and ascended, and he's been reigning over that kingdom ever since then. Not the kingdom starting at the second coming of Christ. So instead of setting up the kingdom when he comes again, the second time, at that time, Christ is going to deliver the kingdom back to God. That's going to be the end of his reign at the second coming, not the beginning. You say, why do you say that, Pat? Because the Bible says it. It says it very clearly, too. It's not ambiguous. 1 Corinthians 15, 23 through 26 reads that this way. They that are Christ at his coming, so it's talking about the second coming of Christ, then cometh the end. So this is saying at the second coming of Christ, that's going to be the end of the world. There's not going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ after that. It's going to be, the end's going to happen when Christ comes back. Then it says, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. So that's not going to be the beginning of his kingdom. He was given the kingdom when he went to the ancient of days, went to the Father at his ascension. Now, on the second coming, when he leaves the ancient of days, he's going to deliver up the kingdom of God. Then it's, that's, I mean, that's the end of his reign of the kingdom at the second coming, not the beginning. Then it says, for he must reign, talking about Jesus, meaning he's reigning then, when 1 Corinthians 15 was written. He's reigning now, for he must reign till he hath put down, put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. You see that? He's reigning now. He must reign until death is destroyed. Physical death will end at the second coming of Christ, the end of the world. He's reigning now, and he will quit reigning at the end of the world. There'll be no more physical death. Now, that's pretty clear. There's nothing ambiguous about this. So why are these teachers saying Jesus is going to come and reign in his kingdom, starting with the second coming of Christ, something in the future? Well, I don't know why they're saying it, but they're trying to make, they're, they're making a lot of money by saying it, but it has nothing to do with what the Bible says. I, I want to say this tongue in cheek. They just made it all up. And people swallow it, hook, line, and sinker, even though they can't, there's no Bible verse that talks about it the way they do. They just made it up and people just accept it. Now, you know, when we talk about end times, a lot of times people want to talk about the Antichrist. Let's talk about that for a moment. First, let me mention the number again. If you would like to call in and ask a Bible question or make a Bible comment, I encourage you to call in because this program is probably pretty boring, boring if you're just going to be listening to me do a monologue. If you call in, that's where the program gets interesting. So I encourage you to call in. If you've got a Bible question or comment, call 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. Call that if you got a Bible question or a comment. The lines are wide open. You know, many people, when they talk about the Antichrist, and again, 
They're just trying to make things sensational. Why? Maybe they're trying to sell a book. I don't know. They'll say, oh, the Antichrist is talking about one person who's going to come right before the second coming of Christ, and he's going to gain political power, like maybe over the whole world. People say, oh, the president of the the uh, the, the the union, uh, I forget what they call it, the United Nations or something like that, the United Nations. Oh, he's going to be have political power over the whole world, and he's coming right before the second coming of Christ. You know, the Bible doesn't talk about the Antichrist that way. The Antichrist is talked about four times in the New Testament, always in the book of 1 John, 2 John, or 3 John, not one time in the book of Revelation. Here's how 1 John 2.18 puts it. Little children, remember John is writing this. We'll just guess and say he's writing it at 65 AD. Don't know, but somewhere in that time frame. He says, little children, it is the last time, and you have heard that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. John said when he was writing, guessing 65 AD, even now there are many Antichrists. It's not just one person coming before the end of the world or before the before Jesus comes. Even then in the first century, when John wrote this book, even then there were many Antichrists. Because Antichrist simply means somebody who's anti or in opposition to Christ. I'm sure there's been many of them every century. There were Antichrists in the first century, the second century, third century, sixth century, 12th century, 14th century. 18th century, there's always been people against Christ. Many antichrists, according to 1 John 2. This thing about one antichrist coming right before the second coming of Christ is going to gain political power over the whole world. You know where you read about that? In books written by people trying to make a dollar. You won't read about it anywhere in the Bible. If you can find a place in the Bible that says that, I want you to call me. Here's the number. Call and get on the air. You got a verse that says the Antichrist is one person who's going to gain a lot of political power and he's going to be evil and he's coming right before the second coming of Christ. If you got that verse, call us right now at 877-655-6755 and give it to us. I don't believe it's there. The word Antichrist is only in the Bible four times and none of those places talk about that at all. That's only talked about in books written by men, books that people write that they make it as sensational is they can, it's really fiction, but they pretend it's from the Bible. It's not from the Bible. They don't give verses to prove it. There's nothing in the Bible like that. People made it all up to sell a book or for whatever reason they made it all up. I don't know, but it's not in the Bible. If you think it is, you can call us and give us that verse that says the Antichrist is one single political power, getting power over the old whole world and he's coming right before the second coming of Christ. Call me and tell me what that verse is. I don't think it's there. Prove me wrong. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Now, one other major thing I'd like to talk about tonight that has to do with end times. And this is when the book of Revelation was fulfilled. Admittedly, the book of Revelation is a prophetic book. When it was written, uh, there's argument about when it when it was written, somewhere between 65 and 98, 90 A.D., Okay, toward the end of the that first century. And it's admittedly most of it's prophecy. There are some many things in the first three chapters that are not prophecy. I mean, Revelation 1 5 talks about Jesus shedding his blood for the remission of washing our sins away with his blood. Well, that he he died in the first century before the book was written. Chapters two and three are just letters to churches that existed at that time, real churches that existed then. 
But once you get to chapter four, it starts being primarily prophetic. And it's talking about prophesying about things that will happen in the future. Of course it is. The problem is that every generation has said, oh, the fulfillment of this prophecy is now. So people in the fourth century said, oh, Revelation is talking about right now. People in the eighth century said, Revelation is talking about right now. People in the 12th century said, Revelation is talking about right now. 14th century, 16th century, 18th century, 19th century, 20th century, 21st century. Preachers today are saying the book of Revelation is being fulfilled right now. Well, if it's being fulfilled right now, then all the people who said it was being fulfilled all through the hundreds and the hundreds of years, the many centuries leading up till now, they, they must have all been wrong. The truth is all of them are wrong. The book of Revelation tells when this prophecy is going to be fulfilled in its first century time frame. This probably seems kind of weird to you. What do you mean the book of Revelation was fulfilled in the first century? Isn't it talking about things that are happening now and upcoming in the next five years? No. If you believe the book of Revelation, four times it said it's going to be fulfilled soon in the first century. I'm going to read to you those verses. Now, if you either believe the book of Revelation or you don't, if you don't believe it, then just ignore this. You ignore the whole book if you don't believe it. But if you believe the book of Revelation is true, why not pay attention to what it says about when it's going to be fulfilled? Let's read those verses. First, again, if you have a Bible question or comment, call us at 877-655-6755. The number to call is 877-655-6755. Here's the first verse. Now, we're talking about the book of Revelation. When is that book primarily prophecy? When is it going to be fulfilled? Well, wouldn't the first verse in the book be important if it told us when it was going to be fulfilled? It's, it sets the context for the whole thing, doesn't it? Here's Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, talking about John, I think, to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angel unto John. So we notice it says he's going to signify by his angel unto John, the writer of the book. Signified means it's going to be written in symbols. Of course, we know that. The Bible, the book of Revelation is filled with symbols, symbolic language. Most of the Bible is primary, primarily literal. The book of Revelation is primarily figurative, symbolic. It's going to be signified by his angel unto John. But here's the part I wanted to emphasize. To show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. The book of Revelation is a prophecy. A lot of prophecy in that book. When is that prophecy going to be fulfilled? These things must shortly come to pass. Not longly, not 2,000 years later. Shortly come to pass. That's in the very first verse. You either believe the book of Revelation or you don't. If you do, don't say the things in the book of Revelation are going to be fulfilled in our day because the book of Revelation itself says four times it's going to be shortly come to pass, shortly relative to the time it was written. Revelation 1.1. Now, here's the third verse in the book of Revelation. Revelation 1.3 says this. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. We saw a while ago, we were talking about the kingdom. It said the time is at hand, close by. This one spells it out for you. The time is near. It's not that the prophecies of this book of Revelation are going to be fulfilled a long time from now, like 2,000 years. It's the time is near. They're going to be fulfilled 
in the time frame of the first century. The time is near. It doesn't matter how many preachers say this represents something here in America or over in Russia or something like that. They're just making it all up. The Bible says the book of Revelation would be fulfilled in the first century time frame. It must shortly come to pass. The time is near. Twice in the first three verses, it says that. Everybody skips those verses because they want to talk about the book of Revelation applying to us today. Is it because they want to sell books? Maybe. Why are they skipping Revelation 1-1 and Revelation 1-3 that says the prophecy is going to be fulfilled shortly? Why do they skip that? I can't figure it out. Now, that's two verses at the very beginning. In the first three verses of the book, in the first chapter, two verses saying shortly to come to pass. The time is near. Then we go to the last chapter, and the same thing occurs. Twice in the last chapter, he says, this is coming soon. The fulfillment is soon. Here's Revelation 22, 6. And he said unto me, these things are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. It doesn't say 2,000 years later. It doesn't say longly to be done, shortly to be done. The fulfillment was to come shortly after the book was written. First century time frame. And that only makes sense. The book of Revelation is written to comfort the Christians who were being persecuted at that time. How would it comfort them if it's talking about things that are going to happen 2,000 years later? That would be two millennial, 2,000 years after they died. How would it comfort them if, it, if the fulfillment was not for 2,000 years? It wouldn't. It makes sense that the fulfillment was going to be in the first century because then that would comfort those Christians who are going to be persecuted. Then we read Revelation 22.10. That's another verse in the last chapter. It says, And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Seal them not. Why? For the time is at hand. Shortly to come to pass. The time is at hand. The fulfillment of the book of Revelation was going to be short at hand relative to the time it was written. So when we look at Revelation 13, for example, it talks about the mark of the beast and the number 666. You know, I really don't know what those things refer to, but I can tell you this for sure, because God said it four times in the book of Revelation. Those things happen soon, shortly, relative to the time the book was written. Whatever the mark of the beast is referring to, whatever the 666 is referring to, it occurred 1900 years ago. It's not talking about the vaccine or the big birthmark on Gorbachev's head, the president of the Soviet Union, you know, back before, back in the 1990s, whatever, or the 1980s. Not talking about any of those things in our day. It's talking about something that occurred in the first century time frame. The mark of the beast and the 666 and at the end of Mark 13, that was shortly to come to pass, whatever it's talking about. Now, I don't know what it's talking about. The book of Revelation doesn't tell us what the mark of the beast is or the 666. But I suspect the people the book was written to would know. Like, for example, we don't know if Jesus had a mustache. It's supposed to be a silly example. We don't know. But the people who saw Jesus know if he had a mustache. We don't know what the mark of the beast and the 666 refer to because we didn't live in those days. But I suspect the people that the book was written to knew exactly what the mark of the beast meant, was talking about, or the 666. Because it was something that was going on in their lifetimes. They would have known about it. But now we wouldn't know about it. We're 1,900 years later and the, the secular history has, most of it has disappeared. All the history books, except maybe one about the first century, have all 
been lost in the trash heap. We don't know what was going on history-wise back in that first century, except what we can read about in the Bible. The Bible is pretty much the only history book, except maybe one or two other books, that has survived for 2,000 years. So they probably knew what was going on, what the Mark of the Beast in the 666 was talking about, because it was something going on in their lifetimes and they could see it. But we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us what it was. We don't know if Jesus had a mustache because we weren't there to look. They would have known because they could have met Jesus and looked at Jesus. So we don't know what a lot of these things in the book of Revelation represent because they represented something that was 1900 years ago. The people then would have known, but now we don't know because we're 1900 years later. That's not important. What we need to know from these four verses, clearly the book of Revelation was fulfilled in the first century time frame, not today. If you have a Bible question or comment, excuse me, if you would like a free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime that you're convenient, call or text me at 256-682-9753. Free one-hour phone Bible study with me sometime at your convenience, 256-682-9753. Thank you for listening tonight.